Sometimes you can you can sell more things by raising prices, yep. which is true for video games. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, or you can make them free, and then that's also true. It mm-hmm. doesn't matter. Nothing matters. <laughs> Nothing makes any sense. Death comes to us all. Death- <laughs> <laughs> Hey everybody, welcome to episode 208 of Coffee with Butterscotch, the game dev comedy podcast of Butterscotch shenanigans. I'm Seth and I'm the games programmer. I'm Adam and I'm an ape. Uh, uh, I'm Sam. <laughs> Got me off guard. I'm Sam and I'm the artist. Yeah, this is a show where we talk about life, business, and working in the games industry. Today is June th- 2019. Mm. Before we get started, we have a warning. There's going to be- June 8th? 10th must be. 10th? It's June 10th. Okay, could it be any one of those. Really? <laughs> any Anything that ends in a- but June. I feel like, yeah, we're we're in the difficult months here. Junth sounds like a sci-fi drug that people take. Junth, oh yeah, it does. Yeah, Let's get high yeah show Junth. me the Junth. I know you got some. <laughs> I, mean, you got, <laughs> I know you got it. Uh, yeah, June and May are the hard ones to make weird dates out of because they're only one syllable, yeah, and especially yeah. when you get into like June ten. Like you only got you don't got a lot to work with. That's there. June. June, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, also before we go any further there's gonna be profanity in this podcast so if you're childhood you can get out of here all right it's good you gotta get that in before we start swearing yeah i always gotta like damn is ready to burst (laughs) i'm always on the edge of the beginning of the podcast because i know like you guys want to just take it i just want to start swearing from the first gotta get that ooh hmm I feel like there's maybe an automated solution to this that we can come up with. Which is just posted at the beginning of the podcast. Yeah, we just need to kick off with just somebody screaming the profanity warning. Not, not screaming question. profanity. What if someone was screaming profanity? So you just had like a really long vowel held, say in the, uh-huh. middle, in the middle of the F-bomb, for example, right? Yeah. If you get the explicit, if you put the explicit warning in there Ooh, so between, actually, before could, it finishes. We could, just, <laughs> we could just kick off the podcast that way. Just have a pre-recorded yes. thing where just somebody going, fuck, and then, you and then it cuts in the middle. warning. Yeah, and then you finish it. Does that you know, man? Does it does because I don't know what you mean. Because te- technically, you haven't sworn yet, and also you haven't because you because now you just said "fu" and "uck," and in between, true, those, in between those, in between there's a whole bunch of other stuff. There's a whole yeah. bunch of other stuff because mm-hmm. it's definitely like if we just if I kicked off this whole it's podcast, kind of like <laughs> just said "fu," and at the very end of the podcast said "uck," Ooh, nobody would say. <laughs> Nobody would say that I said "fuck." That's true. You know the whole thing is in a, it's in a sandwich. Yeah. Hmm. What's the threshold divide? It's kind of like when they uh, <laughs> when they bleep out a curse word, but they only bleep out the vowel. I know, and you're like, I know what you I, said. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> also, the fact that they bleep it, you know what they said. Yeah. It's always context. Yeah, what are we doing here? In you other know? words, in your brain, you heard it, right? Yeah. They're not yeah. censoring anything. Well, and not only that, no. but that that high pitched beep like really makes that word stand out. It you does. know, it's like if you're a if you're a kid and you're listening and you hear, yeah, you're like, what, what was that? that? Whoa, whoa, <laughs> that was a that was a very interesting moment there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm gonna really rewind hone in the tape. <laughs> so rewind that. Start doing some research. Yeah, out that word could figure out what's going on here. Mm. Somebody's hiding. It'd be better something. if they like garbled it. You know, more like a how they do like the pixelated nudity in The Sims. You sort of yeah. got you got to do that, but audio for. Which is, which is kind of what they do for for some songs that make their their like non explicit versions mm-hmm. where they just choose Still a different word that sounds similar, yeah. but that often doesn't make any sense. Yes. I love it when they when they take movies and then they dub in new uh, sort of like PG phrases, uh-huh. you know, and they'll be like, you know, like oh cheese and crackers. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's the, or, it's or like yippee kaye other buckets, other buckets, <laughs> other buckets. Is it? No, it's like, that's from uh, Brooklyn Nine Nine. Brooklyn Nine Nine. <laughs> it's, it's, it's him saying the quote wrong, but it was also a way for them to say "motherfucker" without yeah. without, without saying. Because <laughs> again, it. it puts it in everyone's brain. Yeah. You so is it. that the is that the crime? 
swearing or is it putting, swearing? Is, swearing is a thought crime. Yeah, is it putting? But it's putting yeah. it's a someone else's thought. Mm-hmm. When you start bleeping things, now you are you're making everybody else do the work. Yeah, you know, you're you're now you're you, making everybody else swear in their own minds. Yeah. And you're now you've committed far worse atrocities. I feel like, which is hilarious, because just talking to anybody about anything is is also you putting stuff in their minds. Yeah. And it's hilarious that we like you could say all kinds of horrible, horrible things. It's just as long as you don't use just say words them nicely. Yeah, <laughs> use the right good words. Yeah. Uh, anyway, we'd also like to thank our supporters <laughs> over at MondayGrab.BSketch.net. Uh, we got a new uh, donation from Specchio who says, uh, these coffees are for Seth for fixing the game Levelhead so quickly every time I break it. Thanks. Thank you very much. Thanks, much Specchio. appreciated. Hey, you got you actually got a bonus. I, think I they did. Were joking yeah, about I, was giving- <laughs> I was joking in the Discord. I was like, because they found something and I had it patched within like an hour or something. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, I'll be expecting a, a tip at the end of my shift. So I guess that's incredible. I got yeah. one. Yeah. So I, I, that's nice. Uh, also, we'd like to thank our recurring supporters who keep our mic juices uh, squirt, squirting mm, just out. Just whatever it is. Yeah, we have, we have misters. Mister? <laughs> it's like <laughs> <laughs> not the people, but not the people, but, the, but the things, things that missed. Things that missed. Mm-hmm. Although people could also miss. That's true. We'll get a little squirt bottle. Mm-hmm. Like shooting a cat. If you had, a, if you had yeah, if you had, mis- <laughs> if you had misters that misted. Mm-hmm. Mr. Mr. Mister. Mister. Mr. Mister. And then you have like in the grocery store when the song plays beforehand. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Uh-huh. So, <laughs> so Toto starts playing the, you know, the Reigns in Africa song. Sure. Yeah. And uh-huh. then we get misted by the misters. Mr. Mister comes in misting you. Yep. And Mrs. Mrs. comes in, but she misses when she tries to mist you. Yep. And then, you know, yep. then, you're you're, you're, then you're all dry every and it's time. fine. Also, I guess on that note, every time I go into a, a department store and uh-huh. I see I see menswear up above, I always read it men's as menswear. Menswear. <laughs> Me too. And every time I see the word misses, I think of it as like missing something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just I can't I can't not see those yep. words that way. Menswear. So you just walk in that section and you're just like, <laughs> 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 You just see a bunch of dudes just standing around cursing. Yep. In the men's usually swear. how I feel. In the in men's there. swear section. I'm like, why aren't there any with 31 wasted pants? Yep. And then I just start screaming. Just start yep. screaming. <laughs> <laughs> Every time. You know how in movies there's a there's every now and then there's a scene where somebody looks up and screams no. Yes. Mm-hmm. I've never seen a person do that in real life, but I feel like that's one of those scenarios where maybe that would mm. where you could do it. Mm-hmm. You go you need the whatever – you need the right waste of jeans. But I think you don't You don't usually scream it because this actually happened to me in the grocery store parking lot yesterday. Where you screamed no? I did. <laughs> <laughs> Not uh, as dramatically as you do in movies, but I got in there and then I was like, oh, I'm going to go. Let me get my let me get my bags, like my tote bags. And right? you didn't bring them. And I didn't bring them, but I thought they were my <laughs> trunk. So I opened the trunk and then I just – I did throw my head back and I just go, no. <laughs> <laughs> but I didn't get to scream a blood curdling scream because I'm not That's in the drama, thing. which is unfair. Yeah, and you were in public, which makes you feel like you can't. But how incredible would that be <laughs> <laughs> if someone just screams "no" <laughs> in a grocery store parking lot? You're like, "What happened? I forgot my bag." Honestly, though, this is what sucks about being an adult is because you can't do anything like that without people thinking that basically Something the, is the world is ending. Yeah, right? Yeah. Like, you can't run somewhere. That's true. People are like, "Why is he running?" Oh my god, there's an adult <laughs> man running and he's clothed. Yeah, like, he's not wearing gym shorts. Especially if you just screamed the word no and then started running. Yeah. <laughs> That's not allowed. Yeah. If you're a toddler like, does it, you're like, whatever. You're like, well, yeah, I mean, probably he's like child. lost his juice yeah. or something. Yeah. Nothing important is happening. He's just a kid <laughs> running, screaming no. Mm-hmm. 
Actually, it's, it's almost guaranteed to be. It's guaranteed to be unimportant. Yeah, I want my rights back to be as dramatic as I please in whatever area. Of this life is I'm well. In. This is you know the curse of adults thinking that everything that happens to them and around them is very important. That's true, right. Yeah. So like, which is funny because toddlers think the same thing. Toddlers think the same thing, but adults <laughs> don't think that about what's happening to the toddlers, right? Yeah. Right. Like toddler drops. But also, their ice other cream. people don't think that about other adults either. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like imagine, like you go, get, you go get your ice cream. It falls off the cone, and you just scream like, "Ah, oh, fuck!" <laughs> <laughs> and then you just take off running, just to kind of like burn <laughs> off the energy. Get it, get it, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Oh, it'd be so good. Instead, you, <laughs> instead, you just have to calmly be like, "Oh no, oh no, my life is hell." And then, and then you slowly walk over to the trash can and throw it. Throw it in the trash can. Cast yourself into the sea. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah. That's the adult response. You're like, I'm going to go refinance a mortgage. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Well, uh, anyway, let's talk about I do, I love the idea, though, of just like ice cream falling on the ground, screaming, fuck, <laughs> dead sprint. <laughs> just sick up in a They got to get out of here. <laughs> this is a bad place. <laughs> hey, where are you going? There's bad, uh, there's bad auras yeah. in here. Gravity's off. Kicking my ice cream. Cones. <laughs> it's real spooky. I don't know how it happened. Or if you scream, Fuck. Then you started running and then you started pointing at everybody being like, hey, watch your ice cream. <laughs> Keep an eye on it. Yeah. Shit's going crazy yeah, in here. Wild. <laughs> you don't know. Anyway, let's talk about Levelhead. Okay. <sighs> so you better <laughs> get on the rails. Uh, it's Monday. It's Monday. We are in the middle. We're in the middle of our two week, two week, two week, <laughs> two week patch two cycle. Each pack. Yeah. All right, hold on. We got to get back. <laughs> We're good. We're good. You're good. We're fine. We're literally a third of the way through at this point. That's true. Yes. It's Monday. By the time the podcast hits, it'll be halfway. Boom. Yeah. So we've had, wait, is there a prediction meeting on Wednesday or Thursday? Wednesday. 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 So so we've had two work days. We've had two work days. So we got some big stuff coming. Yeah. Um, But there's some of it that we won't talk about. Uh, Just in case we can't finish it. (laughs) Just in case we can't finish it. Um, Yeah. But we do know that we are we have camera zooms. Yes. So you'll be we got this thing called a zoom box. We don't know if that's really what it's going to be called. But yeah, that's what we're calling it right now. But we're calling it that because it turned out that Sensor just had to hijack the boombox code to make the zoom box work, which is weird when you think about it. Yeah. Yep. Because what the, zooming in is the same. Well, not the boombox. It's the jukebox. We have a lot of boxes. Box. All right. Okay. The jukebox plays a song, and whenever you activate a new jukebox, it plays a new song. Right, mm-hmm. you can only play one song at a time. Yep, that's reasonable. Does a boombox just play booms? It plays boops. Was, we were gonna call it a boombox, yeah, boom but that was probably too weird for people to. Yeah. No, I think I think it's rock. now now because there is also a jukebox. Now it has become weird because what's the difference between There's a, boombox a jukebox, and a, jukebox box? and a boombox? We also need a beatbox, which is like a drum a and then a box. Well, the we, boombox makes sense though because it's gonna zoom. Like I get that. We got like a I mean? zoom tube or yeah. a zoom, <laughs> something like that. Zoom. So anyway, you put on a switch, you turn it on, and you can change how the zoom is. So you can zoom in. You can zoom out. You can't zoom in too far, though, because it'll make people sick, we discovered. Yeah, which is funny because I was like, oh, yeah, 2D doesn't have the same problems that a lot of 3D games have. You're not going to have any of this, like, people vomiting all over the place. And then as soon as we zoom it in, it says, like, blah, blah. <laughs> I, Here's the thing. I don't really – I've never gotten motion sick yeah. from a game. But when we zoomed in past, like uh, – so it, this is going to sound weird because it's backwards from what you think. So when we zoomed in to 80%, which really means like you can see 80% of what you normally could see. Right. Right. It's not like when you zoom with a camera, the number goes up. Think about yeah, you're you zoom in. You're zooming in by shrinking the camera. Well, yeah. How much so if you zoom, if you're talking about 
What is that What's in terms of how level? people actually understand it? It's whatever it means. Know, whatever like point a, eight is. Like a, well, this is the thing because, like, in a in, with a camera, you're zooming in and you're like seeing things farther away. Mm-hmm. In the game, you're still seeing the same. You're just seeing less. Yeah. Right. Like, but that's also true when you zoom in with a camera. You just the the, the whole way like, it works is you just see less stuff. Yeah. You're mm-hmm. not well. You're not getting any more detail or anything when you're zooming in in the that's game. That's true. It, it you just it's, I'm going to upraise all the textures. <laughs> yeah. A few things are bigger. Could make it in 4K. You go CGR18's pores. Yeah. Yeah. But level head is a pretty fast moving game, and when you zoom in past a certain point, things are whipping by really fast. It gets gross. And it kind of induces. Like, well, the camera bomb. The camera. <laughs> the camera just stays on the character, right? Centered on the character. It does uh, sort of lurp behind a little bit, so it right. does have a smooth. Yeah. But there, but there isn't that because in a lot of platforms, there's that kind of like box where actually the camera doesn't move at all until you kind of get to the edge of it and it starts to kind right. of. Yeah. So there's none of that, right? Because I imagine that kind of thing would probably help for. It can, but like once you once zoomed you s- in a lot, then you have the same problem. Yeah, the problem is yeah. like once you start moving, then like things start whipping by, and then it's very. Bad. So I went ahead and just like threw it into the first level of the campaign as we were kind of getting this thing tested, and it's so good, like just zoom levels, <laughs> it's so dynamic, just a little bit of it because essentially all it does, like there's a, there's the original scene when you uh, you're running across you run across a couple platforms and then you see your first vac rats, and so we actually zoom in a little bit. On like just a tiny bit, so you feel a little bit of a difference. And then when you do this running sprint jump and you make it into the first room where you ever interact with a package, and there's the little like grab and kick uh, instructions. Then we actually zoom out as you're leaping through the air, which just feels fucking cool, right? And so mm-hmm. you just sort of do all this stuff. And so basically, we throw a bunch of these uh, camera controls in there, um, and it does just make the game feel literally better. But you end up having to do a lot of them because like different moments throughout your level are going to actually have a very different vibe depending on how you want to use this. And so this is one of the weird things about it is it will blow out your switch count by a lot if you intend to use it. Because just using one, like you could you could make a level. It's like was, a Pringle. You know? It is, yeah. yeah. As soon as you use one <laughs> and then you turn it off and go back to the normal one, you're going to want to use it again at some other point to sort of heighten it. So I'm sure people, some people are going to make like close-in levels, but we don't let you get too close. But some close-in levels and then some like super far out levels that require, you know, seeing all of that to somehow manage yeah. something. Um, we should make for some good contraptions stuff. Yeah. Really and this, this is also yeah. allowed for creating sort of different, uh, like different vibes in different regions of the level. Cause yes. when you combine that with things like the jukebox, you can now like make a little town area mm-hmm. when you go in there and it's like a little more zoomed in to kind of make it feel more cozy. cozy. And then you like have chill music mm-hmm. and stuff like that. In fact, once we get the weather machines in, which yeah. we aren't currently working on, but once we get those in, you can even have it. So like once you go outside, it starts raining. Yep. Yeah. You know, you come back into the, buildings and then it's you have a little campfire yeah. gun we don't have campfires but I have a little campfire gun i yeah. want to make a campfire because yeah. that's so like so we're working on a lot of this just stuff off. that yeah. mechanically doesn't change anything mm-hmm. it's like you can zoom in you can zoom out but you're still doing the same stuff you know um but it is awesome it's great yeah and even so like another thing that that we're working on is curved campaign paths yep right so like right now the campaign paths are, they just have hard uh they have hard corners, uh, corners on them Basically, it yeah. looks it looks like you're looking at a constellation essentially when you're looking at it in terms of just how to you know yeah it's just a bunch of straight lines with hard corners yeah and this is one of those things where you know you you'd hear about this feature and be like I oh, don't give a shit about curved campaign mm-hmm. paths like put some yeah which is, which is currently how I feel about it for example yeah but then once you see the campaign with curved paths you're gonna be like oh dang this is mm-hmm. so, nice. so smooth yeah and, and then, there's always these things that are, I mean they they end up being polished points to some degree, right? Yeah. But the reality is that these are oftentimes the things that give the game a feeling of having soul in it, right? Which is you add enough of these little things that that maybe 
people are not going to say matter too much. If you're if you're looking down like a burn list of like production level features, uh, getting zoom in seems like a higher priority thing than getting campaign paths in. But that's only because you're thinking about things purely mechanistically, right? Like what right. is the player doing? But when you really go back to the so the feel of a game, like how you make a game really feel like a soulful entity that's got a bunch of cool stuff going on. Most of it is in the stuff that doesn't even matter at all for the player experience. Yeah. It's like putting in some weather. Or, I mean, well, even like because the player, it does matter for the player experience. It's just that the player experience encapsulates working through menus and like, yes, you know, right. like that's all actually part of it. And if any of that, so if we. Like the main menu of the game actually is exactly. It matters a lot. So yeah. if we go back to like uh, to Deep Rock Galactic, which mm-hmm. we talked about in the past that we all played and, like, and they basically got a placeholder UI, yeah. right? And and that actually like put a damper on it. Definitely put a damper on my. Experience. Oh yeah, we loaded up and we were like, oh god, is this actually going to be a piece yeah. of garbage? <laughs> and then we played and it was and it was fucking awesome, mm-hmm. right? Um, and and the rest of the game because like the rest of the menu is actually now inside of like a spaceship thing and you interact with yeah. different consoles and stuff. Very fun. And so it ends up being like fun and good. Um, but that but that intro experience was then like it actually put us in a position where we were actually expecting the game to be worse. So maybe that was their trick, though. That way they uh, hurtled yeah. over that yeah, bar. It's relatively know? better. Mm-hmm. That's how they get you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we should probably think about doing something like that. Yeah, we just got to let people down early and then surprise them. Yes, good is later. It's a good marketing tactic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let people down as much as possible. Yep. Uh, also, we have a community API coming. Yeah, surprise, Adam. Yeah, so this talk was, about it. We we in the past we talked a lot about opening up the Rumpus. So Rumpus uh, is the all the web tech that powers all of our all of our shit. Mm-hmm. Um, and the API is basically like the set of sort of instructions for how to interact with it, right? So, so Levelhead makes ex- really extensive use of this thing, right? and that's basically that's how all the whole like saving your progress and publishing levels and submitting stats, like all that stuff is just is hitting these different parts of the API. So we talked in the past uh, quite a bit about this idea of opening up some subset of the API for the community. And the idea being that now community members could go do cool stuff that mostly that we wouldn't even expect yet. So what do, if for someone who doesn't know what an API is? An API API stands for abstract are, programming interface. I but what say. is it? I mean, what is it really? It's, just, again, Give me an it's, analogy it's literally just a, a set of instructions for like. It, so it's basically saying like. Uh, uh, I'm trying to think of because you need something a little more complicated. There's like a normal tool to get an analogy for it. It's mm-hmm. well, it's it's you can you can think about you've got a program like Rumpus. It's mm-hmm. doing all kinds of stuff, right? So you got a robot. Yeah, a robot. It's and it's right. got all kinds of information in it's it. It's like voice commands for a robot. Yeah. There you go. So okay. like it's so like a, like like an Alexa, mm-hmm. right? That has a like for for you as the consumer like using that thing, like the API that you experience is you basically saying Alexa, Alexa, do this, right? right? And hopefully nobody's devices are being triggered by yeah. this thing. So <laughs> apologies for that. Uh, strong. By the way, you can rename your your device. I strongly mm-hmm. suggest you do that so that this kind of thing does not happen. Yeah. Um, Name it but, Reginald. So, I feel like that's a good one. Right. Reginald? So, <laughs> so, that's, so that's basically an API where it's basically, you know, a set of like commands and ways to talk to this device. You don't know how it works. You don't need to. It just mm-hmm. uh, it does all the work once once you know the, sort commands, of to the commands to use it. Uh, behind the scenes, what that device is doing is that the programmers of, of whatever program that you're basically calling by you talking to it uh, is in turn calling – Amazon's APIs, mm-hmm. uh, which are all now web APIs, where basically that programmer said, okay, here's how I get stuff from Amazon. Like, So somebody sends in a voice command, I catch it, I send stuff to Amazon, get some data back, do stuff with it, whatever. Mm-hmm. So it's basically this, it's it's the, it's sort of the contractual relationship between what the thing is doing and how you make it do the thing, right? Gotcha. Without having to know, and that's, that's where Without the abstract part comes in, you don't have to know how it does it. And, and ideally, how it does it doesn't even matter. So that you could say lift the entire thing and like go to new technology stack. So basically, it's like if you go to the matter. grocery store and you're buying some stuff, you swipe your card. Yeah. You don't you you know, know how, that works. how the hell any of that works. Yep. But you know that if you do this motion, 
right. with yep. your card, magically you, money gets removed. Right, money from gets stolen. So, the, so the API is is generally for programmers. So that's what the P is for the programming yep. part, right? Yeah, it's for programmers to build their own pieces of software that talk to other pieces of software that they don't control. Yeah. And that they don't care about how it works. Yeah. 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 And this is even also true within it, within a big piece of software. If you have a, if you have a large team with lots of different components, you might have one team building one module and another team building another module. Each one of those teams, like it, it's too much work to so say like, say like a, like a windows, which is like mm-hmm. literally millions of lines of code. Right. right. Uh, there's no one person in the universe who knows who has seen every piece of it knows how all of it works. Uh, Most people know very little about how any of it works, uh, even the people working on it. And so ideally you only have to know about how your thing works. And then if you want it to talk to something else, you just look up its API Mm. documentation, which basically just says like, I don't have to give a fuck about how I just need to know what can I, what can I get from this and how do I get it? Right. So so that's the idea is, 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 and this this is how Rumpus works. It's a, it's a web API, which just means you talk to it over the internet. So level head is actually, one one piece of software, which is the game, talking yep. to Rumpus, which is a whole other piece of software. Yeah, that yeah. lives on the internet. And I don't know shit about Rumpus. All I know is need to. All I know is what the documentation says I can ask it to do for me, right. and then it does those things. Exactly. Um, so so that's the idea. So so we have this thing, and I, and I built it as – so that Seth and Sure and other people in the studio could use it. I built it as sort of a modern um, – using modern standards of what a web API would look like so that – if they, as they use it, if we need to turn around and use other people's APIs for other services, then like now they don't have to go over like relearn how do you do stuff and whatever. So, so we have this thing. It's like this very robust thing um, that is powering all of our tech. And the question we've been asking ourselves is, can we make this available to just to the community? Um, and of course, no, not at least not out of the box. Not out of the, <laughs> not out of the box. And, and a lot of it is because, of course, if we just do that, then people could like. There's nothing stopping somebody from, say, making their own game that then, like, uses Rumpus as its back end or whatever, right? Uh, and I say, by, by nothing stopping, I, that's There's not still really quite true. A There's still quite a lot stopping it, but it would be annoying It would be very yeah. <laughs> for us. Yeah, to, we'd, have to, we'd have to kind of deal with yeah. it. Um, and so we, we don't want to just open the whole thing up because that's not the that's not the point, right? The, the point is actually still to serve our games. That's the whole reason that this thing has been built. Um, but, yeah, so the, the question was, like, could we make this available and what, what tools could we provide to do it? And, and I think the, the recent impetus for actually finally doing it was seeing streamers streaming the game and then viewers wanting to suggest levels to them, right? Mm-hmm. Now, Mario Maker, the Mario Maker community has has a handful of people who have made some cool tools to make that easy. And there's one one really big one called World Pipe. Or Warp Pipe? Warp, Warp Pipe. Pipe. Yeah. yeah, Warp Pipe. Um, and so we so were looking at what they were doing and I, and I talked to, to their uh, main developer a bit and I was like, what? You know, what? Why aren't we doing yeah, this? We right? can make like, this easy what, for We can make this easy for people, yeah. um, and a lot easier than than of course Nintendo. Than Nintendo did because <laughs> Nintendo didn't open up their API. People just reverse engineered it, right? And we've already seen people in our own community reverse engineering parts of Rumpus to try to like make make features that do this. So so finally, we we're just like, we should just fucking do, do this. Give the people um, what they need. Yeah. So I spent basically the last week and a half mostly doing documentation working with our lawyers because we, mm-hmm. we have to make sure that once we release this thing we're not going to get ourselves into trouble or anybody else um and, uh, and otherwise building out the building out the rest of the tech to make this possible um so it's all it's coming it's all done so it, it i'm planning on putting it out today which is you know we're recording on monday so it'll it'll already it will have already been out um so if, if you want if you have an idea in your brain about something cool you can make so so some quick examples given what the what yeah, give it me, get my juices flowing is, let, let's say you're like well i love Looking for looking for levels to play, but it sucks that I always have to do it inside the game, right? Or I want to do it while pooping. I'll do it yeah. on my phone. Yes, yeah. without <laughs> Not le- pooping with, on my phone 
using my phone. <laughs> well, well I'm glad to clarify. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So so let's say so let's say you want to do that. Well, you could go you could go build your own website mm-hmm. that talks to the the Rumpus API to basically query the the levels stuff. So you mm-hmm. you could do really advanced searches where you can basically say like I only want to find the levels that have had at least a thousand players that have generated at least this you know. 10 hours of play time mm-hmm. and that have a high spiciness index mm-hmm. or whatever, right? And you could get those levels. Or you could say, I want to go get the list of tags that are available in the level mm-hmm. um, that, are, that we use. Because every level that you publish, you can add three tags to it, right, to kind of describe the level. So you can now fetch the list of tags from the server to ask what they are. You can get their, you can get a breakdown of their relative frequencies. So you can be like, oh, then you get a kind of, a, you it's get an understanding what's, of what's there, right? And then you can do complex searches where you basically say, I want, I only want to see levels that don't have all of these tags and that do have all of these tags or whatever. And then once you've done all of that, you could also add bookmarking management to that. Mm-hmm. So now, now players have this like arbitrarily advanced interface for finding levels and then adding them to their bookmarks. So when they go boot up the game the next time, they can see all those levels that they just found via your interface. And so now you aren't just limited to how we've decided to show you levels right. in the game, but you can go make your own system or use the system that somebody else has made. Well, we'd even talked in the discord about, you could, you could even make something that kind of looks like steam where like somebody yeah. could mm. submit their level to it and make like a, a page, a page about, yeah. about their Absolutely. level. You know, a YouTube like, video and put a YouTube video, put some screenshots, like pit, like talk about the level yep. and yep. what makes it interesting, you know? Yeah. Like you could do all kinds of stuff with this. Yeah, um, and, and we also have there's the the level cup, which mm-hmm. is which is a community run thing. I think C Price yep. made yeah. it, and uh, and that's that's going to be augmented quite a lot with the community API. Yeah, because I think that was put together through sort of like scraping together stuff. It was using, a big part of the reason we decided to do it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, and also then we've got Retrofiles uh, Speedrunners Guild, right? Mm-hmm. Where, where he every week I think yeah. uh, does a new sort of uh, season, I guess you know a new a new challenge for the week. And two people weeks, two weeks, are two weeks. So, and then people submit scores and he has to keep track of like what he's keep done. Track of all and people those, have and to also post. choose all the levels. And yeah. Like so there's a whole bunch of stuff he has to do. Um, but literally all of that, except for the whole, like having a place to show people mm-hmm. or, or having people submit and be like, Hey, I want to be part of this, whatever. So that, that, you know, you'd have to figure out your own system for, but all the fetching of data and all the data um, management could actually come from Rumpus. The one thing that's missing right now is that you can't fetch like, every arbitrary score that a person has submitted to a level, for example, right. whatever. We're only storing the top three. We're only storing yeah. the top three. But it turns out that there's a whole bunch of data being submitted to Rumpus that isn't stored anywhere. So we can still catch it. But then I something. can still catch and yeah. do something with it. And that includes mm. your your scores when you when you beat a level. Um, so what I would like to do is before even Wednesday, so before the podcast goes live, is add a few more, just like a few more of these kinds of features because given what the community is doing right now, that would allow somebody to go basically build their own websites or apps or whatever that just automate the whole thing. It's going to be so cool. I'm very excited to see what people come yeah, up with. So this is just the beginning as with all of these things. Um, you know, it, it, we are starting with the sort of minimum viable feature set. Yep. And then just depending on what people want to do with it and what see people what do happens. with yeah, it. And, and the big part was getting over, there's, there's a huge administrative burden to, cause this is, this is effectively a product release, right? Yes. So there's a huge administrative burden, which goes, with all the UI UX for how do I how do I teach both developers and the people who might like want to submit their information to an application some developer made or whatever? How do I teach everybody how all this stuff works so they don't do something wrong? How do I make it easy for people to understand how to use the API? 
uh, how do I make sure that we're legally protected so that if somebody goes inevitably and does something horrible that like we most things, can do you can something. get it done in about 10 minutes and yeah. then actually getting it right takes the rest of the yeah, I spent, 10 years. Yeah. I spent all of Friday and then a large chunk of the weekend just rereading and restructuring our legal documentation. Very fun, fun, it's fun, pretty fun, annoying fun. how much of business is trying not to get sued. Yeah. Well, there's, there's, <laughs> this, there's this like very so, – so the thing that gets uh. me the most is the terms of service, right? Because here's the thing. Literally nobody reads the terms of service. Nope. Like we all know this. It's a joke even, right? Nobody reads those fucking things. Um, however, we have to have them to protect ourselves legally, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, there's also this extra step, which is that we really are supposed to inform our users when we change our terms of service or our mm-hmm. privacy policy. Because they agreed to them. Because so they, they agreed to them. And now we've got to be able to make sure that they know that we've changed it so that – because we because we need to be able to say like, hey, uh, you always have to adhere to our most current terms of service. Well, if you agreed to it and didn't know it changed, like how can you do that, right? So we need to provide some reasonable mechanism by which to alert you that that's changed. Nobody has defined what this means. There's no like legal thing that says like, oh yeah. How you alert people. Yeah, you don't have – like I don't – we don't have to email you necessarily, right? If we do, we're probably the most legally in the clear, but now you're getting emails all the fucking time, yep. right? So that sucks. We could just put up a blog post because that technically is an alert, but of course you only see it if you go visit our blog, right? Mm-hmm. So so now when it comes to like this new community API thing, it gets even weirder because people could build tools without even having accounts with us. Mm-hmm. They could just use the API. They could just use the API through, or the, through other people's through accounts. Other people's exactly. Accounts, yeah. And so now there's, there's literally no way for us to alert them, right? And so I, so I came up with something that I thought was really cool, which was that now every single re- – when you send a, a – when you get a response back from a server, it has all these this metadata that you just call headers, which is like key value pairs. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was like, hey, I can just send the version number of the terms and right. the privacy policy along with every re- response that comes out and then just say, hey, now it's your responsibility because the moment that changes from one value to another – like mm. now it's changed. Mm-hmm. I've I've now notified you, quote unquote, right? Because as like, a programmer who's using the API, exactly, you have the version number, so you can detect the change and you can and you can act accordingly. Ah. So I've done it, and I, and I and I felt so I was so pleased with myself for the solution. <laughs> but then afterwards, I was like, literally, no fucking person's gonna gonna code up anything around. No, no, gonna use <laughs> you know? that. You well, know? don't you love how? It's like we're all in imagination land here. Like we yep. we write up these these legal terms that no one will read. No one's going to read them. Uh-huh. And then we have then we're legally obligated to send out mm-hmm. updates that, that no one will people read. People also won't read. They'll just say okay. Well, it's now now the website does have a pop up when the terms change. Yeah, that I'll let you know that the terms have changed. Uh, that you will inevitably just click okay on. Like I know that's what you're going to do. I get it. Yep. Um I mean, and I've spent so much time on on our terms, our privacy policy, like trying to make it working with our lawyers to be like, let's just make this less legally as bullshitty. Like, as I think it just doesn't can. matter. I think you could just it let them matter. do whatever yeah, they do want. Whatever, yeah, just be like, it, give it to me in the least time possible. Yeah, that's actually the message. It reminds me of so I got a degree in economics, mm-hmm. and in economics they always talk about how human beings are rational utility maximizers. <laughs> right. It's like it's like what a person Have you met a human what, being? <laughs> what a person does in any situation is they gather all of the information available mm, yes. to them. Mm-hmm. Then they measure the costs and benefits of doing various things. Then they choose on purpose the thing that's mm. going to bring them the biggest <laughs> benefit with the lowest cost. Uh-huh. So you I spent 4 years in college studying this imaginary person that doesn't that exist doesn't and, exist yep. and never has existed in any universe mm-hmm. uh and then you build models around it like the like the su- the simplest one of economics is the supply, supply and demand, demand which is of course when prices go down demand goes up 
Which is yep. not true. Which is absolutely not true in mm-hmm. so many scenarios. Yep. Sometimes you can you can sell more things by raising prices. Yep. Which is true for video games. Exactly. Yep. Yeah, uh, or you can make them free, and then that's also true. It mm-hmm. doesn't matter. Nothing matters. <laughs> Nothing makes any sense. Anyways, death comes to us all. <laughs> <laughs> um, also, one other piece of levelhead news is uh, Joe Ao or Nine J O A O Six, sort of our paragon of contraptions. He's building Downwell in Levelhead. Yeah. Yep. So the, the game Downwell is another game, by the way. It's a game that launched on mobile a similar time as Crash. I think I it was six months after. I think yeah. it's also on Steam. It is. Yeah. Yeah, and it was published by, by Devolver. Yeah, a couple bucks. Um, and it's a game. It's a it's a platformer game where you fall downward and you shoot stuff out of your, your feet. Your feet are boot guns. Yeah. Yeah, and you have to descend downward. Does that mean we need a boot gun power up? Yeah. I mean, probably. Yep. I think it. Does. <laughs> um, yeah, and so so you fall down this this perpetual pit and go down mm-hmm. as far as you can, and and through clever use of portals, uh, randomly generated blocks, and uh, randomly generated enemies, he's doing it. It's going to be crazy. He posted a, and he actually even has like it, when you start playing down well. There's a scene at the beginning where you're actually at the surface. Mm, you jump in and the you well. jump down the well, and then the the word down well appears. He fucking did and that. then it pans yeah. down and then you're falling and he, yeah, did, he did that, that whole thing. Thing. what yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he made the menu screen. <laughs> I haven't seen this yet oh yeah the God. thing that I, think I appreciate most about Nine J is his attention to detail on yeah this yes. it's like yeah, he doesn't he didn't just make down well he's like I want to make sure you fucking know this I is am down well. making down well yeah. yep unfortunately he doesn't have the word well in the name combobulator I think so he's called down wall we so might need to solve that <laughs> yeah which could be better anyway because that gives us some you know nice breathing room around trademarks and mm, all this kind of true. stuff. Downwall. True. Downwall. Very different. And also, <laughs> different and also when, uh, who was it? I think Kevin or somebody uh, made Fork Knife. Fork Knife. Fork Knife. Fork Knife. Is that what yeah. it was? Fork Fork, fork night, where you fork start knife. in a plane and you fall and fight a hundred enemies. Yeah, but like there was something that was just better about the fact that it was called Fork Knife. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, so mm-hmm. it's more. It was brought it on the nose for the fact that it was a sort of uh, analogy to the game. Right? Yeah, exactly. Game. So, fork yeah. Knight. You guys play Fortnite? Well, speaking of battle royales, yeah, let's talk about what's way. happening in the industry because E3 is going on. Yeah, going I on. assume all of your RSS feeds are blowing up because mine. I've just been checking in. Usually, what I do is I just check in on Polygon because they basically do like a okay. roundup post of all the stuff from each of the different press briefings. Oh, I see. Super easy. So uh, I popped in there yesterday to kind of see what's going on, see what the label land is. Yeah. So the, the couple bits of news to hit before we go into what Sam was going to talk mm-hmm. about is. Uh, so every E3 is all about like how many dog hairs you're going to be able to see in the next generation yes. of consoles. It's very so, it's a graphics AAA blockbuster focus yeah. event. Mm-hmm. So you're going to see a dog so much hair, mm-hmm. just wisps of hair see all, all of over the place. So this uh, Microsoft announced the new Xbox. Yes, uh, it's gonna Project be, Scarlet. It's going to be super powerful. Their big thing is loading times, which mm-hmm. is great because the original, or the current generation of Xboxes take 39 years to load everything. <laughs> Does that mean you're going to so, go with SD card? It's going to be solid state drives. Okay. Yeah, it's a. It sounds like a really cool. It's piece a beast. Yeah. I think it's coming out in uh, holiday season 2020, yeah. which I don't know if that means end of this year into 2020. No, or, I, think I think it's, it's end, next. I think it's end of next yeah, year. Okay. Next year. So, um, so you're going to be able to see lots of dog hairs. Mm-hmm. Uh, on that thing. And it's an 8K apparently yeah. with 120 frames per second. So just dog hair. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Ever loading screens. 8K. There aren't any 8K games. Nope. 
Well, there will be soon. We're almost in eight. There's 8K no eight K TVs. Uh, this this also reminds me of like the push for HDR, which is like people still yeah. don't have HDR screens. Mm-hmm. Actually, so. I think I think my TV is technically HDR, I believe, which means yours is too because we have the same TV. Uh, mm. maybe I'm pretty sure it is. I don't I don't know what that means or how to tell if it's like good or true. But I'm yeah, pretty what sure. it means is that you can go blind looking at it because it's fucking bright. <laughs> <laughs> no, but the, but the joke is that it isn't. It has it has enormous relative brightness, right? Range, right, and so so you can like you can capture the difference between like the sun outside and like a you know like a dim candle or whatever, uh, and like capture that full range. Except that all of it is basically the brightness, like the maximum is like the brightness of that dim candle. Right. So if you watch an HDR screen mm. in a bright room, you basically you just can't, can't see, see jack shit. That's very funny, huh? Well, what yeah. do you know? Well, yeah, so they announced Project Scarlet, which is cool. Yeah. And most importantly, you're going to be able to see all of the hairs on Keanu's beard. Well, so, that's <laughs> so this is super We finally reached the ability to render Keanu, Keanu Reeves. Yeah. And now, uh, game on. So he came on stage to announce Cyberpunk's launch date. Mm-hmm. And he got heckled a little bit, which was adorable because it was like the most adorable heckling ever. Yeah, somebody heckled him and- he, he was saying something about the game being breathtaking. And someone goes, you're breathtaking. <laughs> and, then, and he pauses for a second and then he's like, you're breathtaking. <laughs> it was adorable. And it's memeing, blowing up all over the place. And so that Meme. trailer already has like 1.5 million views last Fuck. night. And it came yeah, out last cause, night. Because the last thing you see in the game is, is actually Keanu. Keanu Reeves in the game. Mm-hmm. Just being Keanu, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Doing his thing. Yeah. So uh, Cyberpunk 2077 is, of course, going to be a big deal. It's made mm-hmm. by CD Projekt Red, who made Witcher, which, while being notorious for crunching and nearly killing most of their dev team, make really good games. Yeah, so it was very good. You know, siphon the souls of those devs. And They're one of those them. studios that uh, that has atrocious work conditions but gets the benefit of it. Yep. You know? <laughs> Definitely. Now, meanwhile, let's talk about Bethesda. So – on the other side of the coin <laughs> of the hype train, uh, I was confused. I would say this is more of a hype trolley or so cart. First, okay, so Fallout 76, this is the game that came out that was everyone was excited about because they were like, oh, it's another Fallout game. Sweet. We're due for well, one. multiplayer, which we've all been wanting a multiplayer Fallout yes, experience. Yes, amazing. But instead, it was just weird and terrible, and Bethesda's pretty bad at bug tracking and also online stuff. So it turned out to do kind of a glitchy, horrible mess for the most part. And then, it, you know, it's recovered somewhat, but also it still doesn't make any sense, right? Mm-hmm. It's just not really a coherent mm-hmm. game. And they uh, they announced that it, they're doing, a, it, they're turning it into a battle royale or they're adding a battle royale mode. Yeah. To Fallout. To Fallout. Mm-hmm. You know, the fast-paced, intense gameplay of, the Fallout series. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Gonna mix so, that with 100 person free for all to the death. And they even have building in it. Oh. Because, of course, they do have building in that game. Building. Oh, is it as bad as it is in Fallout 4? Because that was an unpleasant I, I assume it is. <laughs> I haven't played it. It was a nightmare. But uh, they show like someone building a fort with turrets and stuff to sort of mm-hmm. defend themselves in. And I was like, I, and, and you can get nukes during the. So things like they're doing all these neat things, of course, in the context of Battle Royale. Are these also, the same nukes that around the launch time caused the server to shut down when people probably, used them? Probably. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it's so, like, I don't know. I, I watched that and I was like, what? And I was like, the reaction to this has got to be terrible. So I click over from the article onto the actual YouTube video itself. And it's like tremendously disliked. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Because people want to like, follow MMO. Now all of a sudden they're playing Fortnite. Yeah. And they're, they've like, already got Fortnite. Yeah. yeah. It's like, we don't want this. And so I was like, okay, this is kind of bad. Poor Bethesda. And then I 
go to the next article and they're releasing a mobile game, which like cool. They did this with Fallout Shelter, which was looked amazing and was amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this one is a recreation of Commander Keen, which is one of the original like sort of side scrolling games yeah. ever made. Uh, I believe it was made by the, the the team that made that ended up going on to make Doom, right? So it's like this is one of the original sort of sort of seminal properties of the whole games industry. Yeah. There's a lot of nostalgia around Commander Keen. I personally don't have any because I never. I only heard about it much yeah, later I never in played life, it, but yeah. And it's know. like, it's very much like a kid friendly sort of thing. You're just like bopping around the universe, shooting aliens, commanding stuff, commanding stuff, shooting aliens in the face, yeah. which I guess is somehow kid friendly. Um, yeah. So it's very well, cartoony. Because there's no blood. So that's kid friendly. Yeah. So that works. Yeah. But so it's very cartoony. And also it doesn't, it just doesn't look as good as like Fallout Shelter did when mm-hmm. it showed up on the scene by a stretch in terms of that feeling of something having polish and having like, is it is it because it's trying to be that old game, which necessarily would have? Would I don't look believe like so because that old game standards? was is old. Yeah, yeah. So it is. It's got graphics in it. Okay, it's like it's, <laughs> it has. Some, it has some actual. You can things. see so, like two so dog hairs. So it really is like they're not. They're not trying to like capture the old game experience. No, it's more just like adding to the franchise. Okay, and okay. then but yeah, I mean, if you watch the video for it, you wouldn't think you would not think twice about it. Mm-hmm. Which is really just too bad in a number of ways. But uh, also Bethesda, I was like, what? And then I clicked over on the video again because I was like, this can't be going over well. <laughs> sure, definitely not going. Everyone's like, what is happening? And then Man, they're burning through that goodwill yeah, that they've built up. It was weird. I was like, "What's who's calling these shots? Over there? Like, what's happening? <laughs> I don't know. Well, yeah. And I don't know. It's, it's funny because from the outside, it just seems so obvious that something like a, uh, a Battle Royale in Fallout 76 would go over very poorly. Yeah, like it, it feels tone deaf. You know? Yeah. Like it's like it's missing. It, well, actually, it's, 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 it's something we talked about in the past too. It's like there are there are a million known issues with that game, right? Yes. And then there's the, the really big one, which is that everybody wants it to feel like a Fallout game, right? And so everyone's hoping that that's where the dev time is going. Mm-hmm. And then to suddenly have revealed that, oh, actually – Battle Royale, Battle Royale popular, which is something that literally nobody wants in the context yeah. of this game. Like nobody asked for it. And that had to happen at the expense of all the things that people did want to have happen. Although uh, they and, are adding human NPCs to the game. Which they did announce, yes. In, so, uh, in this fall. Which is, and that was the part that I was excited about. Is like, oh, this might actually get to feel like a Fallout experience. Right, because there will now be actual characters doing stuff with stories. Which, be which wasn't there before. But. They're going to be dead all the time because – Everyone will just be shooting them. That's <laughs> yeah. what happened. Yeah, <laughs> they'll exactly they'll have to be completely bulletproof, basically. Yeah, if my time in World of Warcraft has taught me anything, mm-hmm. so as soon as something is killable, it will just it be, will dead, be dead. Almost permanent. <laughs> yeah. So that's going to be a conundrum. Yeah. 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 Uh, or Anyways. yeah, or you'd have invincible NPCs, and in, in which case now you can't do the stuff that you could have done in Fallout. And <laughs> yep. It's yeah. all very co- very complicated. Yeah, I mean, yeah, putting putting mines in NPCs' pockets, you know, oh, it was the best. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> you just walk away, and then you just quick load. Uh-huh. You're like, oh, actually, I needed to buy something from that person. Yep. Um, yeah. So uh, we'll just kind of keep, I guess, watching the the Bethesda hype cart kind of trundle down the tracks. On. Yeah. So I mean, Ether's gone all, all this week. So they, there's it's a really a interesting lot. thing from a press standpoint, which is that um, as a as a developer of games that are not AAA games. Yeah. Uh, basically, you cannot first. There's so much news. It actually started a month ago mm-hmm. that when we started sending emails to press people about Levelhead, which we thought we were well in the clear on stuff, they were like, well. We got E3. Again. We actually already have, like, we're already being crushed by E3 stuff. And we're over here like, 
That's in 30 days. <laughs> yeah. What, <laughs> what is happening? Like, how are you? And it's basically because like something that we don't, that none of us see because we're not in the journalism side of things yeah. is that there's an enormous amount of, of pre-work that yeah. goes into, because uh, because most things are embargoed. It's basically that, and we do this with our, with our own stuff too, right? When we, when we send stuff out about a game launch or something, we say like, hey, this information about this is embargoed until launch day or the day before or whatever. Because uh, we want to give people time to go carefully look at the game, mm-hmm. put some time into playing it, talk to some other people about and it. And also all yeah. of these outlets, all the big outlets have a presence at E3, which means yeah. they're also preparing for a, for live yep. shows. And, and having stuff. to do a jillion interviews, there's yeah. a lot of administrative overhead. They'll have that. like 300 interviews over the course of like four yeah. or five days. Yeah. And so there's just a lot going on. And, I mean, I knew there was a lot going on, but I thought it was going to be more contained. Yeah. Yeah. We, we were looking at everything this month. We're like, okay, E3 is going on and apparently has been for – for six weeks yep. now, and, and Mario Maker's launching at the end of June. We're like, June's just gonna be rough. It's gonna, it's gonna be, be it's gonna be hard for us to, you know, peek our head out, out mm-hmm. above the crowd this month. Yeah. But I think, I think that's fine. We'll July's coming. Stuff. Yeah. You know, we'll, we'll get back in it. Yeah. yeah. And we're hoping once it, we're, we're hoping that once it cools down, we can go back to all the people who we tried to get to cover level head. Yeah. Um, and now that they'll hopefully have, have some, some time with, and we'll be like, it has camera zoom now. <laughs> right. Like, hey. Actually, the thing is like, <laughs> if we, if we look at where level head even is now, but certainly where it'll be, you know, in a month compared to where it was at the launch of early access, mm-hmm. like there's so much new stuff in there and the, the game is so much better already. Yeah. So, you know, it's fine. Like as, as long as people look at it sometime, like sometime, yeah, that's fine. Sometime before, whenever we launch it. Yeah. Would be the ideal sort of window. Yes. <laughs> Uh, let's get on to some questions. These questions come from our listeners over at podcast.bscash.net. Highest upvoted question is from Quantum Anomaly. There are so many wonderful pieces of technology in our house. Uh, in today's futuristic world, other than your phone, laptop, or personal computer, what's your favorite household appliance? Hmm. What are the options here? Knife sharpener. Always a good one. Keep those. Do you have an electric knife sharpener? Or you oh, just, yeah. You do. Oh, Mine yeah. is a... Uh, it has that where you just stab it and then it's sharper. It's got these sort of like whirring uh, grinders grinders in there and you kind of just like run the knife through it. It's like yeah, – I got like a manual one I bought for $7. Nah, buddy. Yeah. The 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 automatic ones will wear your blade down way faster because they like grind the they fuck really out Because they really sharpen it. So you end up with a sharp knife but the lifetime on it goes down. But if you're, if you're, so if you're using like real fancy knives that are very expensive, mm-hmm. then you want to manually sharpen those things so they last your entire lifetime. I don't even use knives. I just take sheets of steel. Yeah. Put them in that. Just put them in there, sharpen the edge of that basically, thing. That basically put works. Put some duct tape on it for a grip. You're good. Mm-hmm. Yep. I would say mine is a little – we have a little portable convection uh, stovetop surface thing. Oh yeah, uh, for that we use for hot pot. Um, we can also use it for you can use it for anything, but you can basically now because because it's a convection surface, so it does, it does not get hot at all. Like there's no heat involved, right? Right. It just uses this is one of those witchcraft. <laughs> yeah, it just uses magnets and witchcraft. To, magnets, yes. To, to make if you have the right kind of material for the for the the thing you sit on top of it. What's the word I'm looking for? Pot. pot. <laughs> <laughs> so if you put the, the pot on the top thing. of it. Uh, and, it's the, and it's got the right kind of material that is that is magnetic, so you can actually like have the magnets work on it. Then the pot gets hot as fuck, mm-hmm. and it's and it's, so it's way faster than a normal burner because like you just you just make the pot hot. You don't you're not transferring heat right from somewhere. You put a thing the, on it, the thing it just, just gets is hot, hot now. now. Yeah. Um, so would you say that this convection, what is it called, plate? Convection. I don't know. Stove top. top I don't know. Stove the, top plate. I don't know. Is it like an API? For magnets, <laughs> yeah, because you don't have to know how the magnets you work. Know the magnets, you, you just, just push well, some buttons on there. How magnets work? That's yeah. true. So you just you just push <laughs> some buttons on there, then your food gets hot. Neat. Really, it's an API for making your food hot. 
All right, so we got mm-hmm. electric knife sharpener. It we uses magnets, but we don't care about that part. Stove top or sto- mac, uh, convection convection stove top to stove. Yeah, but the thing's all because it's portable, so you can just like you can just because it doesn't get hot. You can just go like fucking sit it anywhere. It's not a fire risk. Like you just right. go put it wherever you want. There's just a hot pot. There's on just there a hot now. pot on there now, and you can just like have it anywhere. You can have it on your desk. Yeah, you know, next to your computer, you just have a boiling pot. Yeah. I have a uh, uh, Bluetooth speaker. That's called AOMA's Bluetooth speakers. Oh, yeah. A-O-M-A-I-S. There we go. Uh, <laughs> it's a Bluetooth That's speaker. unexpected. <laughs> so it just really easily pairs to your phone, but it's like, it's kind of, it looks like a nice speaker. It's got a little wood paneling thing on the front. And that thing, because it's got like 12 hours of battery life, maybe six hours, I don't know. It's got a lot of ba- hours of battery life. And so you can just like unplug it and you, you can just take it. Yeah. You just mm-hmm. go wherever you want. You can have it. fat beats all across town. Mm-hmm. So sometimes if I'm going outside for a bit, I'm like, I'm just going to take the speaker and. Blare my jams into the. Do you put it, it's small, but do you put it on your shoulder like an '80s boombox? That would be awesome, but it's it's so small that that would just. You need a weird. shoulder. <laughs> you need a shoulder strap to keep it in because it's like it's so small that it'd probably be kind of hard to mm-hmm. hold yeah. it. It there. would look more like a futuristic turret than it would like a boombox. That'd be pretty cool, though. Actually, especially, especially it has like little lasers that it shoots at. You need mm-hmm. two of them. You need two, one for each shoulder. Shoulder pads. <laughs> you can, shoulder, oh. shoulder pads. Yeah. Oh. You can boom actually box pair, shoulder pads. Well, I think with these ones, you can actually pair multiple ones together. So you can link your Bluetooth oh, yeah. into – yeah. So you can like put yeah. them all over your house. You, you need – yeah. So what you need is to dismantle them, reassemble the components into some – and embed them into some shoulder pads. Mm. Then yeah. you walk out with your – boom boombox game. I like where all this is going. Boom shoulders. Can you imagine showing up just at a party or something with bo- fucking boombox shoulder pads? <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. That would be great. It would be incredible. As long as your taste in music is good. Yeah. I have seen a lot of people walking around – uh, with like backpacks that have Bluetooth speakers in them, and they're just like blasting music, just huh, in a mall or in a restaurant. There's some places where you don't really want to be blasting music, you know what I mean? I think yeah. most places, most places, probably most, probably most places. Yeah. But I feel like if you're in a public park and you're just on full blast, uh, you know that's f- totally fine. I mean, yeah, nobody cares about the sound <laughs> of nature. <laughs> <laughs> it's not fair for that. Uh, all right, next question comes from Kajoma One. How much do you guys hang out outside of work? Do you feel like if you didn't work together, it would be more or less? Love the podcast and Levelhead. Keep up the good work. Thanks. How much do we hang out? Not a lot. Not a lot. Probably once every couple weeks. I think before we started doing this, we spoke about once every six months. Yeah. Well, we all lived lived in different places. We lived in different places. We were also all in college at the time. So we actually, yeah, because when you're in college, you also have other friends. Yes. Because there are people around you. Yeah. Yeah. They're human Once beings. you're an adult, you're on your own now. Yeah. Your ice cream falls mm-hmm. off. You're by yourself. Just you can't run on your own. You got your mortgage. Uh-huh. Yeah. So outside of the work context, we tend to We honestly together. don't have that much of similar interests. No, we don't, which is kind of funny. No. But I think it's where the the weird fact about it, like, yes, we're related. Yes, we we behave and talk a lot similarly. <laughs> talk Some a lot of us are better than others. We make <laughs> word pretty good. Same. But we are all interested in very different things. So when it comes to like, what did you guys do this weekend? We actually tend to be kind of far afield in terms of mm-hmm. what, what was happening. Um, but yeah, I don't know. We don't hang out. Like, was it every three weeks or so, I think? We, yeah, we might go catch a movie get like or dinner, something. Get a movie well, it's, usually, it's usually because we're getting together with our spouses also. Yes, getting the whole family together. Actually, it's almost always. The whole crew. Mm-hmm. Almost exclusively because other we're hanging out with everybody, which is mostly, I think, for our spouses to hang out with each other. Mm-hmm. Um and uh, and then they probably see each other more outside of or just generally 
Actually, yeah, the that's true. Context, yeah, then probably then we see each other. And then otherwise, to go to other family stuff. So, like, if our if our mom's doing a thing, or our dad's doing a thing, or whatever, then yeah, you know, I we'll, think that's we'll pro- part of it. Is is you know we're coworkers and family. So like we already get, we see each other plenty. Yeah, we see each other plenty. I get it. I'm, I'm over. I'm over <laughs> it. Don't need it. All right. Next question comes from Fly Hoppy X Rampa. My wife recently left me. This one's a, this Ooh, one's okay. a, this one's a deep one. I'm sorry, I'm sorry to hear that. My wife recently left me. I am now divorced dad to an amazing daughter. You guys have previously given the impression that despite your parents' divorce, you are close with your dad. Any mm-hmm. tips for me from the child perspective of Ooh. this situation? Anything he specifically did that kept you close? Besides the basics, of course, spending time uh, telling telling them that I love her and I'm proud, et cetera. Mm-hmm. This is a good, big one. It's a good heavy one. So as far as I think one thing our dad did extremely well was he was very open about the fact that he had no idea what he was doing. What he was doing. And mm-hmm. so do you remember this? Like what happened? Mm-hmm. It's like teenage times where he just at some point sat us down and was like, look, dudes. I, like, I have no fucking idea what's happening. <laughs> <laughs> I have not been a father to three teenage children before. This is the first and only time. So you know what? Like let's have – an open dialogue about this that just will continue. You know, if you need, if you would really like me to come to an event, let me know. Cause he was like, he had to work a lot. And so like he's a surgeon doing stuff. So he's like, if you really want me to be at an event, let me know and I will happily show up. But I don't know like the contours of yeah, all these important, what is important. And so you yeah. just got to talk to me. And so I think, I think this is a general aspect of parenting that I think I've always found really interesting mm-hmm. is that uh, a, a lot of, a lot of parents view their role as a one way uh, thing like they're supposed to instruct their children on like what to do in the world and tell them what not to do, tell them what to do, guide them, etc. And it, it's rarely about asking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it's rare. It's rarely a, like you said a dialogue about mm-hmm. about talking to to them about what they want to do and what they like and what their interests are, and kind of like uh, going out of your way to make sure that their voice is being considered and, mm-hmm. and heard. And honestly, like just doing that is. Huge. It's a huge part of it. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. also that, that tends to tame any of the, the weirder stuff that you get out of a divorce scenario where like you can have you can have that sort of problem of being the child who's pulled between two camps, mm-hmm. which is right. the worst. Um, and but being able to have an open dialogue about literally sort of all the stuff that's going on makes it so that those – they can't – they're not going to necessarily get out of hand because they can be talked about mm-hmm. at various points. Yeah. But I think it's a big part of it. Um, and then I think beyond that, like – yeah, whenever we hung out, we were just hanging out. It was awesome. Yeah, <laughs> it was. Yeah, it was just a chill relationship where where expectations of us were high, mm-hmm. but not in the sense that there were lots of rules put on us. It was just yeah. like I expected you to do well, and if the way that you do well is like things that I don't understand or agree with, like that's fine. That's fine. He did. He did tell us. He he tells. The last time I brought this up, he said he did, has no recollection of this, but he did. <laughs> he did. He did tell me Convenient. when I was a kid. Uh, in like in high school, that if I ever ended up in jail, he was going to leave me there overnight. Mm. Because, <laughs> that's good because I clearly needed to learn a lesson. Yeah, right? and uh, I think that's a fair thing. Yeah, but but that he would still like after that. Yeah, like now get now when I get he try to help right? you mitigate the damage. Yeah, exactly. But but the, but I think this is the important thing is is he he actually let us he let us fail you at stuff, and and it wasn't that it was just fine. Right. It was that we had the room to fuck up in, in some way without it being like the end of our of our lives or relationship. But then what, what follows that is then the as opposed to like judgment and punishment and being smote. Yeah. It's now about 
okay, let's talk about this. Yeah, mm-hmm. have a dialogue about yeah, it. Yeah, and, and it, it was and it was honestly more like, what are you going to do about this? Yeah, as opposed to here's what you need to do to fix this mm-hmm. thing, right? Yeah. Um, so there's there just a lot of uh, just a lot of trust, a lot of listening, um, and just being honest about the fact that as a parent, you are not omniscient. Uh, and, yeah, you don't know what's going on. Yeah, you don't know what's going on. That's fine. That's just, fine. That's I think that's it. Yeah. yeah. And then also, don't badmouth the other spouse. Yes. Or the, the ex-spouse. Yeah, just and don't. Just don't. It's going to yeah. maybe feel like you need to. So yeah, parents, <laughs> both of our parents did a good job of, of – they, they had some some animosity between themselves that mm-hmm. they were dealing working, with. Working through. It's um, hard. And and we know we know a lot more about that now. That we, Actually, we basically knew nothing about it at the time. Which um, was exactly the way it should have been. Yeah, they handled been. it very well. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah, so despite how how difficult of a time they were having handling it amongst themselves, mm-hmm. uh, that yeah, they, they did a really good job not letting that hit yeah. us. They kept it very cordial. Yeah, which was good. Yes, um, and then also we got an N sixty four at Dad's house. Always a good. <laughs> always, <laughs> yeah, which that was, was really that was really the thing. Yeah, <laughs> so we were over there a lot. <laughs> Mom, I really need to see Dad also. Play it, play Star it, Wars uh, pod racing. Pod racing. <laughs> actually, played a lot of pod racing. Actually, I bought Star Wars pod racing on Steam. Uh, it appeared. It's there. Oh, really? Is it good? It's so bad. <laughs> really? The the text oh, is the My text is glasses. largely unreadable. Um, I think the gameplay is still okay. I mean, yeah. it's really low resolution. Really? Yeah. Like I didn't realize just how bad. Is it like four eighty p or something? Or oh, it's I think less it's than that probably. <laughs> yeah. It's just like ten pixels low. on the side. Yeah. So was, there must be a bit of an arms race. This is the thing. Like with divorced parents' households, there's always a bit of an arms race on some of these. But yeah, but, yeah, but you want to make sure you don't really get into that either because no, don't, that, don't that, that'll turn your kids into monsters. Yes. Definitely. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yep. Because yep. it's all about what's best for me. Yeah. But I think, <laughs> I think, uh, but, but just, just being open and honest about the fact, like, you know, if you're having a hard time, it's okay to, it's okay and actually good to be open about this stuff. Um, because, uh, you know, it's like, I think the, the thing that parents do a, a terrible job of almost universally is being human beings to their kids. Yes. Right. Uh, and I think, I think that is just so fucking important because if you, if you don't make yourself a human being to your kid and you don't work on making a relationship that is not equal cause it can't be right. But that is as less equal, asymmetrical as equal, right? as, possible. as equal as possible. Yeah. Um, if you don't work towards that, then what you end up with is there's just this weird thing where we're in the future. Once your kids are adults, like you want to be friends with them now, mm-hmm. except that you were never friends with them. Ever right, yeah. you were you were the person who told them what to do and who seemed to have all the answers always and seemed to like you weren't ever vulnerable. Because well, now, because yeah. now you know, think about this too. Because now, like you seem to have all the answers because you were always right because you didn't let yourself be vulnerable, right? Now, listen, when you're an adult and you and you aren't right because you're a fucking person just like yeah. the rest of us. Yeah. Right? Being a parent, <laughs> in fact, you maybe never were. You but, uh, almost definitely yeah. never were, right? <laughs> and so now, all of a sudden, like your kids are going to look back at all the stuff that, and it's all going to look like lies now, yeah. right? Because you were so confident about all that kind of stuff. And so I think I think just admitting. Admitting the lack of confidence about what's going on, mm-hmm. and like admitting the fact that you're having a hard time, and that you don't know what you're doing, et cetera. Uh, I think that well, but is yeah, enormously I, powerful. And this this especially applies like as you're like as as kids reach the teenage age, you know, they're they are maybe they aren't capable of forming good thoughts, but they've got them. correct. You know, they've got <laughs> right. they've got ideas yeah. about what to do. And they have very strong opinions about they got very strong stuff. opinions. They got idea. They're they're becoming independent. You know, and they're learning more about the world and they're kind of like being, they're able to go out on their own and they're getting ready for the future. So they're fighting against you as an authority figure because they're working on independence. Yeah. And right? so, so this is where, this is where shit breaks down because yeah. yeah. the more arbitrary your rules are, 
And, yep. the, and the more it's about strictness and less about coming to a mutual understanding, right? And that doesn't mean you can't be like, here's how things have to be, because of course you can, yeah. right? Um, but but there need to be there needs to be an understanding of why. Even if that even that explanation is basically like, this is too, this is like really hard for me to explain right now. I'm going to do my best. I don't and like if you don't get it, like I'm sorry, but it just has to be this way, right? Uh, like that can also work too, you know. But yeah. but. But arbitrary rules, which I think most is what seems to me from the outside of watching parents. Um, Wait, th- th- this is where be this, things are. Yeah, this is where as a as a parent, you are accustomed to controlling your child, yeah. like as they're really young because they can't do anything and mm-hmm. and they don't know anything either, right? And kind of reaching that point where you you just stop doing that It's like that's the most important thing yeah, because a guide. Yeah, because yeah. if you think about like what what other scenarios in your life have turned out well when you tried to control another person, you know, yeah. where you told them exactly what they can and cannot do. And then you like bring justice down upon them. If they don't do exactly what you say, even if they disagree with it, even if they think it's crazy, we generally call that abuse. Yeah. So these are, these are the hallmarks of a toxic uh, relationship or like, yeah. or like you wouldn't be friends with somebody who did that to mm-hmm. you. Right. You know, they'd call you to be like, where are you? I need, yeah. What are you doing? I don't <laughs> trust you. Get back here. Right. Like that's not a good thing Situation, to experience. Yeah. Right. But for some reason, people feel like it's totally fine to, to do that to their, their, like mm-hmm. their teenage children who are trying to become adults and trying to like learn. Well, shit, even into their twenties, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And there, there's a, there's a, it, oh man, it's so weird. Well, there's, there's another facet of it too, which is that as a, as a divorced parent, you're also going to be probably weirdly keenly aware of the strength of the relationship between the child and your divorcee. And it's going to be hard not to do comparison stuff on that. Mm -hmm. But especially as a kid, like you sort of do this thing where you pick a parent for a while and then you sort of like trade off to the other one, et cetera. And some people were closer to like their mom in their teenage years, some to their dad in their teenage years, but it's sort of, it ebbs and flows across it and you got to maintain your cool. Just like any fucking relationship. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) You got to maintain your cool across all of it. You don't yeah. want to be the person who is, you know, getting weird about it, getting weird, but don't be needy and insecure about it. Be like, yeah, I'm your dad. It's cool. <laughs> and the kid's like, no. And you're like, well, it's fine. Yeah. You're like, yeah. Just, and you're like, you'll be back. Yeah. You'll be back. It's going to be fine. I know. Yep. I'm good. All right. So I think we hit a lot of stuff there. Yeah. There you go. It's, yeah, uh, there's, a bu- there's a bunch podcast. of, yeah, we go. just kind of threw some spaghetti at the wall. That might have been too serious of advice though. Yeah. All right. Well, let's hit one last one from Devo who says, do you have any tips on making my game discoverable on saturated platforms? Ha, good. That was a good joke. <laughs> on this podcast. On. Oh, I thought we weren't ending on something heavy. Uh, Jeez. No. So, yes, actually. Um, <laughs> if you're on Steam, tag your damn game. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. So there's these things called tags. If you look at your Steam store page listing underneath the description, you'll see stuff like, in our case, I think it's early access, 2D. Uh, level editor, I think, are the top three right now. Um, you as a developer, you need to put at least 15 tags on, on your thing, which you can do through the back end of Steam. And basically what that does is if you're a developer, you weigh a lot more than everybody else does sort of community. It's like one player putting a tag on, it's just one person, but you as a developer putting that tag on is like something else. You know, it's a heavy, heavy thing. And essentially what that does is the more of those tags you have, the more Steam can actually relate your game to other games and then start recommending you through those other yeah, games. Yeah, it uses those to, for that whole like games like this concept. Yeah. So we did actually have a tremendous error on Levelhead, which is we didn't have like a full, we had some, we had like five, but we didn't have the full suite of tags on there until like a month before launch on EA. Yeah, and all of a sudden our, when we put those on, our traffic to our 
page dramatically doubled. spiked. It doubled. And I was like, shit. And it just stayed there. Yeah. Because it could have been doubled so the whole time. So basically for six months, we had half the traffic we could have had on the Yeah, which adds page. up, which is dumb. Yeah. And so and that was just one of the things where I was like, I mean, we read all the documentation. We've done this before. Didn't know that that was a thing. That was so big now. And so, yeah, that's that's one of those ones that's really easy to overlook if you're new. Uh, but then beyond that, this is a you're playing a hard game. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, you could say things like, oh, make sure you have a good trailer. Make sure you have screenshots. But like those are things that people will see once they're already at your games page. And like those yes. are important. And the real the real trick is getting people to come to your games page in the first in place. the first place. Oh, my God. How do you do it? I don't <laughs> We don't know. You just do all the things. Yeah, we just you do the press thing. You send you send keys to Twitch streamers and to YouTubers. And yeah, honestly, yeah. I mean, the the thing that that we keep coming back to is we've been doing tons of research on early access games, and uh, sp- specifically because, of course, we're in early access. But but even in general, kind of reading about like what makes various games succeed, mm-hmm. and so you know, we looked at, for example, Slay the Spire, which is doing fantastically well. I think they just came out of early access. Mm-hmm. Um, and they had a fairly abysmal first few weeks of, of their game's existence. Then all of a sudden Chinese streamer picked it up who had a really big audience. Uh, and then that skyrocketed the sales. And then they put the game on sale, like at that same time to capitalize on that fact. And then that pushed it up even further. And then all of a sudden, since so many people are playing it, now it shows up in a bunch of other game pages mm-hmm. and then that pushes it up even further. And then the algorithm kind of drives it. Right. So they got, like, they have a great game mm-hmm. as far as their marketing plan. It was basically get lucky and then try to capitalize on it. Yep. Right. Yep. Um, and I think we were reading about uh, dead cells as well. Mm-hmm. And they put hundreds of thousands of dollars into marketing their game. And then a Chinese streamer picked it up and then it, <laughs> and then it went crazy. Uh-huh. And then uh, yeah. that was the catalyzing event, right? Uh, so how do you do that? Uh, Not on purpose. Isn't that yeah. What, what we basically found is that everybody who has a su- successful game out there um, or just about everybody will point to all these different things that they did. Uh, but nobody can actually say whether any of those things. Well, cause, but the thing is that other people are also doing those same things. Yes, yeah. Everybody's right. doing the same stuff. Yeah. You know, reaching out to streamers, reaching out to YouTubers, mm-hmm. reaching out to press, trying to make good trailers, blah, 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 coming up with your good pitch, yeah. you know, your elevator pitch. And this comes to something we were talking about actually before the podcast, uh, which is this idea of of operating in a, in a wicked world, wicked meaning in a, in a particular way, which is that a wicked world is one in which the feedback from what you do is either non-existent, delayed, or incorrect, which means that, for example, if you put a game out, and you're like, I'm going to send notes. This is actually why I tell people when, they, when they're talking to me about uh, doing press outreach. They're like, well, I, you know, I sent like 100 emails out, but no one's, you know, no one got back to me. Yeah, well, did you send out 10,000? And well, did you like, follow up every I was week? like, did you follow up? And the answer is like, you know, I mean, no, because like, I don't want to bother people. And it's like, you have to bother them. Because yeah. <laughs> the reality is that most people didn't see your email. They didn't. It's not that they saw it and were like, no. Yeah. And even on top of that, even, right if they, even if they did, maybe E3 was coming up and you didn't know mm-hmm. about it and they were busy doing something else and they like opened it, check it out. And then they're like, oh, I mean, I, I think the this. important reminder here is the one we talked about in the past about uh, opening rates for, for yes. newsletters, right? Which is that it's not about who you're sending the newsletter to. It's about the time of day that you send it mm-hmm. because the same person, if they get the email in their inbox at 9 a.m. is now basically – five times more likely to open that email than if you send that same email to that same person, say like 12 hours later, mm-hmm. right? That email is still in their inbox in both cases. 
They just will never see it. They just will, for some fucking reason, they will literally <laughs> never see that email if it appears 12 hours later. Yep. And and I think you have to understand that this is this is this is actually how everybody treats email, period, apparently. Right. So well, this is I mean, really, this is analogous to just the whole thing. The, yeah, exactly. The whole Which thing. Which is like you might think that timing matters. Timing matters tremendously and is completely out of your control. And when you're dealing with a game launch, which re- which necessarily requires the like simultaneous, lucky, successful actions of hundreds of other people that are not on your team, mm-hmm. right? You need the press to cover. You need Twitch streamers to cover. You need Steam to do something about it. Like when you talk about this, an event, and all like those that, people have to independently decide that that's in their best interest at that moment, yes. and they have to even be aware of it in the first place. Yes, which and, means you're playing a game in which there is a th- just a sliver of random luck that will guarantee you what you want. Yeah, and so giving up after your first try is yeah. just so the you have to maximize it by increasing exposure, right? Increasing the the amount. Increasing the chance that somebody saw your email. That means sending that same person Again. more emails, yeah. right? Increasing the number of people who could possibly have seen the email. So that means don't send it to 100 people, send it to 1,000 people, you know? Mm-hmm. And and, th- and this is all the stuff that we do. And we can't say that it does work. We can't say that it doesn't work. All True. we can say is we're doing it as hard as we can. We're just doing it as hard <laughs> as we can. And, 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 well, is, and even despite that, you know, we're sending out thousands and thousands of emails. We have, we were working with a PR company who's reaching out to mm-hmm. thousands of press uh, outlets and stuff like that. We showed level head at GDC. We were in the Nintendo Direct. Um, we actually showed level head at GDC twice. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, so we've been working with these larger companies. And what what ends up happening every time somebody comes across level head and starts playing it, they go, how come I haven't heard about this? <laughs> yep. You know? And the yep. answer is because, you know, and, and think about this from the outside. Like as a, as a PC gamer, for example, quick, name five games that launched this past week on Steam. Yeah. You, know. you can't. You can't probably name one, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but guess how many there were? Like 300. 40 a day. Right? Yeah. yeah. Yep. So uh, if if you can't name even a single game that Why would somebody be able to name this yours? past week and there were hundreds, uh, yeah, where does yours fall in there? Well, it's in the pile somewhere, right? Yeah. Yep. So uh, it, I would say the games industry has always – I mean as with many industries, it's always skewed to the top, right? In the mm-hmm. sense that there's a, a few big winners – um, but it's definitely becoming more like that just because of the volume, like it's yeah. becoming more of a winner take all, uh, where all the attention goes to, you know, a couple things. And then because of the, well, the, the thing is, of yeah, it's, that's, it's actually the same. The top hasn't changed. No, the, there's the, just, there's just more. Yeah. The top, the top is the same in the sense that there's always gonna, there's always a few games that do really, really well mm-hmm. in a given time period. Um, but now there are so many more that don't. Yeah. Right. Okay. <laughs> proportionally. Sort of by necessity. Yeah. yeah. It's just that the proportion has changed because there are so many games. Yeah. So basically yeah. there's only – there's a small fraction that – or there's a small number, not fraction. There's a small yeah. number that can be successful. So as the volume of games that go out increases basically without bound yeah. and exponentially, mm-hmm. then the apparent difficulty keeps on going up. But the difficulty is really the same as it always was. It's just that the, the, well, the crowd actually, that you're in is – I would say it actually is more difficult because if everybody's pursuing the same – uh, marketing and attention getting and strategies, true, yes. then actually the the attention economy is more crowded. Yeah, and, so like because that part's getting saturated. So here's like right. the 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 one that was the the funniest for us was that um you know we'd sent our keys out to IGN and we got a tweet from the re, the reviews editor of IGN who's literally tweeting like oh my god I like I just booted this game up to play it a little played bit played it all weekend played it all weekend right and then you know I'm like I was like oh well, yes perfect we're gonna get a review out of it but he's been busy with E3 stuff yep. so like. We don't, you know, and we're just chilling. <laughs> yeah. We're, we're like, in early we, access. Yeah. There's no rush for him to do anything. No, we're like, but we know he loves the game, and like, and we've had nobody cover it. We're just like, but you love it, yeah. Like, please. <laughs> and he spent yeah. like 16 hours on. Yeah, but he's busy. Know? 
but he's busy. And so yeah. it's like it's one of those things where you can you everybody's can, busy all the time. Yeah, and right? you can get these things where like they're so bittersweet. Like the the speedrunners, for example, like the summer games done quick is coming up. Mm-hmm. So all the speedrunners, which is naturally like an easy niche for Levelhood to pop into, they're all busy training. Yeah, just happened to be training, yeah. training right? for stuff that's already popular and already, yeah. yeah. And then Mario Maker now it's like all this stuff, and so it, you just you end up getting this this confluence in our case of just like just weird attentional factors, and so that's why while while the launch has been slower than we wanted, it's not like a it's not feeling like a doom and gloom thing yet because the mm-hmm. pickup on the game itself when people play it they're like yes, which is great. Yeah. So it just means we need to keep on poking people until. Until the time, until the stars align, such that mm-hmm. everything kind of yeah. goes. And that may, very, that may very well mean that, you know, every few weeks we're sending an email to such mm-hmm. and such. And we'll just keep doing that right up until the moment where we say, hey, Levelhead is launching. Yep. And then then maybe at that point they'll finally cover it. Yep. Um, so, yeah, there's a lot, a lot of persistence in there. But it is hard. Yeah. It's hard to keep your – uh, you're cool, your faith. Mostly, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and again – Well, because the fact is like in the end it's still all might – not work out exactly yeah we we can do this all day and we don't know whether or not any of it matters yeah so we just have to we have to hope that we're doing more of it and better than at least many other people Um, or at least talking to the right i don't know i don't even know we'll just keep doing stuff (laughs) keep doing stuff (laughs) yeah uh yeah i think i think it is probably fair to say that if you want your game to get exposure and you aren't working your ass off to make that happen then it's not going to happen. It's not going to. Yeah. yeah. Or maybe it will. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but I think in that case, it's, it's, uh, you've not rolled any dice. You're, you're hoping that the universe rolls some dice for you. Right. And I think, I think that's the difference between actively. Don't make the mistake of thinking that the platforms you, themselves will sell your game. They a hundred percent will not. It's not the case. Yeah. Anymore. And, and the, the thing that we were kind of, uh, musing about earlier was how it, like making a game succeed has so many unknowables in there. And what we know that Valve has said in the past is that they're like, look, we the reason that they introduced Steam Greenlight and all these other things is that they used to only and do the, curated games. Steam Direct. Yeah. So they used to only do curated games where they where you would pitch your game to Valve and then they'd be like, Yes, this seems like a good game. We'll put it on Steam. Um, but they still had a lot of duds. We're like Valve saw a game that they were excited mm-hmm. about it and they're like, Oh yeah, this is gonna be awesome. They put it out and it gets mixed reviews and it doesn't succeed, right? Or even does get good reviews and then fails or it gets negative reviews and sells millions of copies. Mm -hmm. So, so at a certain point, Valve was like, we have no fucking idea. Like we don't know what makes for a game that succeeds. Mm -hmm. So let the community decide. Well, let the community decide. Steam Greenlight. So Steam Greenlight happens. Guess what? The community doesn't know what games are going (laughs) to succeed. There are games that do great in Greenlight and then nobody buys them Mm -hmm. or games that take forever to pass Greenlight and then all of a sudden they go crazy, right? Yep. So then Steam's like, okay, well, fuck it. Free for all. Apparently nobody knows. We'll do a free for all. So they do a free for all. And once again, nobody knows. But now there's tons of games coming out. And you would think, well, now that there's so many games, Valve has a lot of data, right? Like a lot of data. Yep. They should be able to now at this point kind of like pick out which games are going to do well. trends or something. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then they make Artifact, and it's their own game. Valve makes Artifact. Mm-hmm. They publish it on Steam, and Artifact is a dud. Ha- is a dud. Yeah. So like the the company that has information to every scrap of information available mm-hmm. about the PC games market and owns the platform and owns the distribution channel and the market. Center, frankly, they have a hard time making a game <laughs> that succeeds. Right. And of course, for them, success means something different because and they have a much higher bar. Yeah. Because if any of yeah. us got artifact money we'd be we'd be yeah, we'd be doing fucking great yeah. but but we aren't steam right so so that means something very very different because i think still like fucking team fortress 2 
Yeah. Is still, I think, making more money. And Counter-Strike. And Counter-Strike. Oh, yeah. Here, whatever this is, 10 years later, and probably more, like, 15 years later. Probably per day. Yeah. Per day, yeah. yeah. Then, then, of course, like, we'll ever make, but mm-hmm. but also, I think, probably than Artifact did. Yeah, probably. Artifact, yeah. Artifact probably blew those other games out of the water at launch, mm-hmm. and then probably has now dipped below all their old titles. Yeah, so I guess the best you could do is just do your best, you know, make mm-hmm. stuff that you think is interesting, try to market the hell out of it. And Maybe just, just work really hard. Yeah, and, but uh, but it's it's a gamble. That's all yeah. it is. Work really hard, and nothing might happen. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, it's, comes a, to it's a fucking nightmare. That's the slogan of life. <laughs> Uh, all right, well, that's all the time we have for this week. <laughs> <laughs> We'd like to thank our producers, Fat Bard and Jen Coster, for putting the podcast together. Thanks to our community moderators who keep our Discord running. To get more involved in the Butterscotch community, go to podcast.bscotch.net, where we have links to everything that you could ever need. Including Shenanicon and Shenanajam. Which you should totally sign up for. The jam's coming up in July. July 12th. July 12th. So that is one month away. Yeah. Just shenanajam.com. You yep. can also just go straight there. And yeah. that'll be for making a video game. Alongside the whole Butterscotch community and mm-hmm. us over a weekend. And it's then Shenanacon comes in September. September. Right? Yeah, I think okay. so. <laughs> that was a Pretty sure it's questioning. September. I think that's right. Tone. Yeah. Of some sort. I'm bad at calendar. <laughs> I, I think. It is. But in any event, it's all there. It's all there. Podcast.bscotch.net. All right. Well, thank you all for listening. We'll see you next week. Bye. Goodbye.